How many of you grew up in a dysfunctional family? I think all of us grew up in dysfunctional families. And so what happened to us, and many of our stories are the same way, is that we learn pretty early in life that as we go along and we're around people, we're in groups of people and we're related to people, we, we don't go too far in life before we realize if we really want to go somewhere, if we really want to get something done with our lives, the thing we ought to do is keep a really safe distance between me and everybody that's going to slow me down. Uh, you know, I remember making fun of this all the time, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to uh, hanging around or being together with people, I would say things like, you know, together is awesome as long as there aren't any other people there. <laughs> because you kind of realize that together can be a pretty serious problem. And when we come into an environment like this and all of a sudden we're all talking about the value of being together, <clears throat> what happens is, that's too much dairy, by the way, on time away, too, many, too much cheating. Um, when we gather into an environment like this and we start talking about the value of being together, the value of a group, the value of coming into really close proximity or even ooh, the dependence on other people, it kind of flies in the face of what a lot of us determined when we were growing up early in our lives. As a matter of fact, the closer we got to people, the more drama we had to deal with, the slower we went. And so Jesus, you know, the unfortunate part about it, you don't have to read in your Bible very long before you discovered that the Bible, an, an enormous percentage of the Bible is not written about our relationship with God, surprisingly. Even when you take a look at the Ten Commandments, the first three, four, depending on what religion you are, are, uh, are focused on God. The rest of them are actually focused on how do we handle the fact that God is calling us to be together all the time. The, the law, the rules, the interactions, even the New Testament, so much of the New Testament portions of the Bible are actually talking about how the heck do we gather together as a whole bunch of human beings and then get along. And I often thought to myself, Jesus, you know what, can't I just be the church all by myself? And I began to discover after a while that Although my plan, short-sighted, myopic, and very selfish, uh, looked like it was going to be better if I just lived it alone. If I just went my own way, I got my own plans, I really don't need anybody to give input to my plans, let's just get everybody out of my way as best I can. Either if I can't get them out physically, let's get them out uh, emotionally. Let's get them out intellectually so that I can just go to where I'm going. But can I tell you something? The, the, there are many ways that seem right to a man. There are many ways that seem like they are the smart idea. Yeah, but I can promise you that uh, even as we talk a little bit about that as we, as we share some time this morning, is we discovered that that seems right, but the end is, goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. The end of those things becomes a very, 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 uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a place that only seems like it's a good place in your mind. And we have to allow God to speak to us when it comes to his ways and his understandings and the path that he's called each one of us to live. And that is a, a, a way that is together, focused on and learning how to be together. And so as we discover that, each one of us now, because uh, I think Daniel is like many of us, when we deal with together, we have to deal with the right kind of together. I think most of us have gone through experiences in our lives where we have identified and been hanging around the wrong kind of together. Uh, how many of you know that you can get into a group that'll take you to where you don't wanna go? 
you can get into an environment that is going in the wrong direction. And so you can't just uh, carte blanche say, what I should do is get together. I should just join a group. I should just belong somewhere. And as long as I belong somewhere, that somewhere is going to get me to where I want to go. And most of us have had experiences where we've discovered that's simply not true. We have to begin to discover what is the right kind of together. When God talked about together, when he instructed us to be together, he certainly did not instruct us to get the wrong kind of together. He called us to identify what is the right kind, what is the kind that is going to lead to life, what is the kind that is going to lead me and assist me and empower me to get to my dreams, and then discover an environment like that, and then dedicate myself, focus myself, and engage, fully engage, no matter what it takes, no matter how much personal struggle I have to deal with in order to uh, fully engage in that environment, that personal struggle is actually part of the equation. It's part of the deal when it comes to empowering us to reach the very destiny that we are all feeling or being propelled forward by that calls us from the inside. We all know we're here for a meaning. We're here for a purpose. We're here to live life and life worth living. And so as we begin to discover that, I've sort of identified three main topics as we're closing now, as you probably saw the video that was on earlier that we're moving in the month of October now, we're moving into uh, a series called Toxic. And so this will be the main focus for us as far as understanding a little bit of the benefits of being in community and understanding how to thrive inside of a community. And when you, <clears throat> if you've grown up, and as most of us did, those things thrive in community, do not belong in the same sentence. But we're going to discover a little bit about that today to see how did God intend then for us to be able to thrive. And Jeremy actually took our first scripture for this morning. It's in Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And so that sounds easy. Most of us can quote that. You may have the tattoo, but <clears throat> living that is a completely different equation. And so what you're looking for in an environment where you are together with people is does that environment empower you to trust? Is it a place that is teaching you how to enter into trusting relationships with other people? Uh, you know, I was, when I, we were away, we, had, we only had two satellite stations on our television, so we were kind of limited, and both of them were, three, all three of them were CNN, so that was not awesome. Um, <clears throat> but they were doing an interview with a fellow that had written a book about this concept of trusting, and he was talking about the difference between trusting versus not trusting, and which one of them costs us more. And most of us would think, certainly the way I thought in the beginning, was that uh, growing up, it was a lot more expensive to trust somebody and then get let down by that person, <clears throat> not realizing that in fact the cost of becoming a skeptical person, the cost of cynicism is far greater, infinitely greater in the limitation it places upon our lives than the occasional face plant that we end up in because we depended on somebody and that person for some reason let us down. When we deal with the cost, simply the cost, between being a trusting person and being a skeptical person, the cost of being a skeptical person is infinitely greater than being a trusting person. <clears throat> the, only, the, the only path, Daniel would say in the video, the only path that I trust 
is one of my own making. You see, what Daniel did not realize was that the journey, the destiny that he was being called to, the only reason that he thought he could make it on his own was because what he saw was such a small portion of what God actually had for him. Every one of us have a dream and a, and a purpose in God that is so far beyond our personal ability to accomplish it. If we do not then, first of all, get into an environment that deals with the primary ability for us to trust in other people, what happens is we forfeit or we then live in that very, very, very small portion of our dream that we are able to see at that moment. It's only when we begin to trust and we learn how to do that, we learn how to embrace the concept of being a trusting person, that we all of a sudden get a higher perspective where we can see an even greater or grander view of the purpose and destiny that God has for us. When we learn to trust others, we also learn to trust God. Ultimately, the only way to trust others is to trust God. When I put my trust in other people, uh, they're people. They're going to let me down. They're, especially when I have very high expectations, then uh, it's very difficult for other people. The higher you put your expectations for them, the more likely are they're going to fall short of those. That's just simple math. But when you are putting your trust in other people, ultimately what you are doing is putting your trust in God. And as you do that, as we trust other people, ultimately trusting God, we're actually learning how to trust God even more. Amen. And then when we trust God more, what happens? We're now able to trust others more. And so it becomes its own self-fulfilling dynamo when I get myself into a community where I learn and open myself up to be in vulnerable positions, to be in dependent positions, to need the input of other people. And then as I put my trust in them, I'm ultimately putting my trust in God. When I put my trust more and more in God, that develops, that matures. Because I feel like I can trust more, I open my heart up to more people and then the cycle continues and continues and continues. Then I am living in this enormous place where uh, I have the input and I have the contributions of so many other people to inspire and empower the dream that I'm feeling on the inside of my heart that all of a sudden the dream can expand infinitely rather than remaining so small the way I lived back in the beginning as a skeptical person. Daniel would say, the only person I can trust is me. And the farther he goes down this road, the colder and darker it gets. Yeah. In cold, read a loner. The more you go down the road of not trusting, the more alone you become. Right. When it gets darker, the more you learn, the more you dis, uh, have the perspective that other people are untrustable, the more they prove to you that they are untrustable. Right. And the world just simply gets darker and darker and darker. We've talked about this at, at such length that we live and experience the world not as it is. We experience it as we perceive it to be. When we become skeptical, when we become this, cynic, uh, uh, you know, have a lot of cynicism in our lives, it simply becomes this perpetual machine that come back in 20 years and I won't be able to trust a single person on the planet. And I will be stuck in a corner all by myself, alone in the dark. And the dream that I see for my life will be, will be minuscule. Simply because I, didn't, I wasn't empowered to be in a place where I could learn to trust. And finally, when I learn to trust others, 
I learned to value or magnify the virtue or the value of being a trustable person. You see, when I learn to live all by myself, I really don't need to learn how to trust people. And because I don't learn to trust people, I don't actually learn what does it mean to be a trustable person. And so we begin to diminish in our, not only our trust of others, but in fact, what is diminishing at the same time is other people's ability to trust me. Instead of that, if we turn the equation around, now that I value that, I really value the fact that I can trust so many people, but because I have all these relationships that I depend on, I got to come with a little bit of my own self. I got to be, if I want to be in an environment where I can trust somebody, I, in, to just to be in that environment, I need to become a trustable person myself. And you can see how the dynamo here creates an environment, creates a together that is the right kind of together. The right kind of together where we are growing in the ability to trust and growing in the ability to be trustable. Number two in the equation is, is that I need to join an environment that rejoices together and mourns together. You know, in Pasadena and I, we were away for, this is probably the longest time we've ever been away. Uh, and so we usually limit our time away to about 10 days or so. That's usually Tina's max, and, but she can't be away that much more, longer than that. We all come back and kiss the ground, rub our faces in the carpeting here when we get back. Because we just love this place and we love to be here. We love all of the, you know, it's great to be away, but it's great to be back. But I've noticed that we can get into an environment. We were on a, uh, you know, an all-inclusive environment while we were away. And you can go pr- about maybe six days or so of living in a perfect environment like that before you get to the place where you're recognizing, I am bored out of my mind. Right. <laughs> you see, life is all about the morning and the celebrating. That's what makes life life. Otherwise, you get into this place, as Morpheus would say on, on the, in The Matrix, is that when, when, the, when the world we live in is absolutely perfect, we do not thrive in that kind of an environment. We thrive in an environment that has mourning in it, has losses in it. We lost yesterday. I don't know if you knew that. Midnight struck a few hours ago, and we lost yesterday. One of the reasons that life is so important to us is because we keep losing our yesterdays. And life becomes very important to us. And so when we lose certain things, you know, your favorite pair of blue jeans or something like that, that's a loss to you. And that's, you feel that emotionally. And then you buy a new pair of blue jeans and you celebrate the fact that you've got a new pair of blue jeans to replace. And that's a great thing too. And you see, life becomes about the ups and downs of the lives that we live, the morning times and the celebrating times. If we bring those curves into the middle so that we hardly ever mourn and we hardly ever celebrate, then we bring our lives into a flatline position. You know what flatline looks like in a hospital, right? It brings us into a position where life is not even livable anymore because there's nothing to look forward to. There are no ups and there are no downs. We had the opportunity, one of the channels that we had while we were away was Golden Oldies Channel. Got all the Cary Grant that we could ever, ever want in a lifetime. One of the shows that we're on was, you may remember it, uh, um, uh, Jerry Maguire. Do you all remember the Jerry Maguire show? You know, you complete me, you had me at hello, all that stuff. <clears throat> when you are uh, just uh, a parentheses, guys, when you take your wives away, you should be ready for some chick flicks. And so don't judge me because I watch Jerry Maguire. 
But what the concept of that movie was, was that he was experiencing, Tom Cruise was experiencing lots of highs and lots of lows and highs and lows and highs and the whole movie just went through all of this roller coaster ride that is very typical of any of our lives. And the, uh, the, the, one of the ending scenes, I don't know, I think I might have fallen asleep before it actually got to the end, but one of the scenes near before I fell asleep was this scene where he comes and, you know, gets, tries to get the girl to come back to him or whatever it was. And his point for doing that was that he had experienced this great victory in his business, but he had no one to share it with. Wow. And, he, and the point of the matter was the victory was meaningless because I had nobody to share it with. You see, the, 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 one of the main reasons that we come together is so that we can share our victories. Our victories become so much more valuable to us, matter of fact. As a matter of fact, they even get better every time you tell the story, the victory gets better. And so every time you tell the story, every time you engage in it, the victory becomes even sweeter because we have somebody in our lives that we are able to celebrate with. So what we have done is, if you take a look at the curve, this, this life curve that we have, the life curve, when we have a victory, well, it would have just gone this high because I did win the battle, and that's great, you know, proud of me. But when I share that with somebody, that victory even becomes sweeter. It becomes even more valuable. Matter of fact, if you don't have somebody to share your victories with, your victories very soon become uh, very complacent. They're just ordinary things that happen to you all the time. They have no real up value in them. Matter of fact, they become not even a bump in the road. As well, we have our morning times when there are losses, when there are things that go on in our lives that are maybe harder to deal with. They're not, they're not on the same side of the curve that the victories are on. We lost something. We lost someone. We had a battle that went on a little bit longer than we anticipated that the battle was going to go. We have a time of mourning in our lives. The value of that is being able to share or feel the support of other people when we are in that morning season. We perhaps discount the value of those things in their ability to reinvigorate us and re-empower us and get us back into the game just simply because there's somebody in our lives that is willing or able, loves us, cares about us enough to share our season of mourning. This is what happens. The, if, I had, if I was allowed to use a whiteboard, I'm not allowed to use my whiteboard anymore. But when, if, if you were to watch the curve, I'm also not allowed to complain about the fact that I'm not. <laughs> if you watch the curve, the lows go down and the highs go up. If I, do, if I don't have people that are uh, mourning with me, who are supporting me through my seasons of mornings, my mourning time becomes deeper and longer. It goes lower. If I don't have people to share my victories with, the victories also become lower. And what happens to my entire life that would have looked like this, it now looks like this. Everything in my life is now lived multiple degrees lower than it would have been if I just simply had somebody in my life, a group of people in my life that were willing to see my, to see my seasons of losses and not judge me and condemn me and tell me that I was stupid for getting in that spot in the first place, or that I could have, I could have victories 
where people are willing to celebrate those victories with me rather than to be jealous or envious or covetous of the victory or wish that God would have done it for me rather than do it for... When I'm in those environments, those are bad environments. But when I can get into an environment where people are willing to celebrate with me, they're willing to mourn with me, they're willing to live life in all of its mess, life all of, goes from being uh, just simple life to being livable to being exciting, to being an adventure, to being uh, fearlessly wandering forth into our tomorrows simply because we know no matter what comes tomorrow, all of my together is still going to be together as we go through all the stuff that life is all about. And it makes it so much more enjoyable. We're also inspired by the perseverance that we see in other people when they go through all the trials that are going on in their lives. So when I see you going through your time of morning and you you know put pull your bootstraps up and you get back into the fight then i'm inspired by that i'm watching you as you are pursuing the 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 victory you are pursuing the dream that god has on your life and then i'm inspired again when i see because of that perseverance that you actually are the person standing in the winner's circle at the end of the battle so i'm watching that environment where where my in the inspiration coefficient of my life is significantly increased because I'm watching you do it in your life. Can I tell you who I think is the greatest dream hunter? Self-pity. The number of dream trophies on the wall of of self-pity are greater, I think, than anybody else. When we get into our journey and we're pursuing our dream and all of a sudden it starts to get hard, all of a sudden things don't turn out the way we wanted them to, all of a sudden there's disappointment, all of a sudden there's disillusionment and I want to be cry, sit on the floor and cry a puddle of tears and feel sorry for myself that I ever started this journey until I glance over my shoulder and I see somebody else who's sacrificing a little bit more than I was for the dream that God gave them. Do you know what happens to self-pity when I surround myself with people who are sacrificing more than me? That shoots self-pity right in the head. No longer am I a victim of, of being that person sitting on the floor crying tears because I'm watching the, the inspirational force of your life as you sacrifice for the dream that you have, that you live that loud and, and in front of me all the time, and I'm simply inspired by that, allowing that to cause me to become a person that's not going to give in to the self-pity that would normally be uh, a, a death blow to the dream that I had. And finally, you know, Daniel was celebrating the wrong thing. You know, you can get around wrong thinking that takes you in the wrong direction. What we do is we want to get around a group of people that are mourning the right things and that are celebrating the right things. We live in a culture that mourns the wrong stuff. We live in a culture that celebrates the wrong stuff. When we get into a life of of learning how to trust people rather than learning how to be skeptical, learn how to give rather than learn how to receive, learn how to love rather than learn how to hate, we get into an environment that's all together and that work, your life cross-pollinating into my life and my life cross-pollinating into your life, And we become people that are now focused, dedicated to a together that's focused on the right things, going in the right directions, ending up at the right destination. 
And finally, a together that focuses towards impossibilities. Jesus said it this way, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You see, all of our lives, whether you know it or not today, your destiny, the plan that God has for your life is impossible. The scope and magnitude, the, 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 the work that God has called you to do, if you understood what that was today, perhaps it would be a weight that you couldn't even carry. Simply because it is impossible for you to do it. All dreams, in fact, if you could see them clearly, are impossible. What you need is a together, you need an environment, you need a posse that is focused on achieving the impossible. That really calls for an understanding of how you, how, what's the mechanism? How do you actually do the impossible? Is it uh, God does it and I do nothing? Do I do it and God does nothing? Or how exactly does that equation work? See, life, I used to think life was linear. It just starts out as your child, and it's this linear path that goes between here and your destiny. Well, that's not how life works. Life is more uh, uh, like a set of stairs. We, en we engage on the step that we are on, and we pour ourselves 100% into the work that we're called to do when we are on the level that we are on. But then each one of us comes to a wall. A wall where your ability, your connections, your talents, your energy, your money, your brilliance, your ingenuity, your, all of those things end up coming to an end. There's just nothing else you can do to push further towards that dream. That's when you're at the, you're at the, next, you're at the wall that is the, the next tread of the stair. And what you need at that point is you need to be able to do a supernatural bounce to get up to the level at the next tread. When you get up to that tread, it's all about you again, perfecting yourself, understanding how to use your efficiencies, understand how to do things better, understanding how to get the synergy of the environment that you're in. All of those personal applications towards the optimization of what is on that tread. But then you will get to the end of that one again and you'll realize there's nothing else I can do and you're waiting for that supernatural bump that gets you up to the next time. Slowly but surely, life is simply like a set, of, a, a set of stairs that you climb as God empowers you to become that person that can achieve the destiny that he gave you. Well, how do you do that? What is the supernatural bump? The supernatural bump is buying into an environment that is focused on continual transformation. Transformation being described as by God that I am shedding a, a, a dream-limiting deception. I'm letting go of something on the inside of me, recognizing that it is not something outside of me that is limiting my dream. It's not you, it's not my government, it's not the resource, not the planet, it's not Nibiru, it's nothing is going to limit you from achieving your destiny except something that's on the inside of you. It is a dream-limiting deception that God is going to focus on. The purpose of that level that you are on is simply to identify what is the dream-limiting factor that I need to contend with. When I deal with that deception, I'm going to run out of money. Nobody cares about me. I'm going to fail anyways. This is impossible. God's not going to help me. And on and on and on and on and on the deceptions go. It is simply the ability to let go of a dream-limiting belief system 
and embracing a life-giving belief system that empowers you then to take that supernatural leap up to that next level. All of a sudden, you see things differently. You understand things differently. Your perspective is different. Your belief in how far you can go becomes different. Your perspective and view of the dream becomes different. All of that happened simply because something that, was that, the, that the kingdom of darkness was able to get on the inside of you that was blinding you from the scope of the vision, from your personal potential, as you connect to God and pursue your vision, when you engage in an environment that doesn't limit the, the potential of a human being, doesn't lock you down, sorry that you're who you are, but that's all you're ever going to occur. When you get into an environment like that, run with all your might. Find yourself an environment that believes in a lifestyle of continual transformation, that on this planet, we aren't ever going to reach the end of our potential. That's just simply never going to happen. The longer you desire to live, the longer you can focus on the days that you have to, to experience transformation, growing greater and greater and greater in your ability to fulfill and broaden the tent pegs of the dream and vision that God has for you simply because you engage in a lifestyle that is uh, uh, transformationally oriented. Religion wants us to lock it down into a very small box and say, this is it. We have we found out all that is about God. Instead of what God's looking for is he's looking to expose himself to you in a greater and deeper and more creative way every single day. As God shows himself to us and we can see it and perceive it and we allow him to transform a darkness, a place of deception that is inside of our hearts. Literally, as Jesus says there, all things are possible to him who believes. So as you are doing that, as you are thinking about people that are in your life, People who are needing an environment like that, needing to find a together that is a right together, perhaps needing to be healed of a couple of wrong togethers, a couple of environments that they've discovered, you know, the farther I get away from people, the safer I am, the richer I am, the more energy I have, and the more clearly I can see my destiny. Instead of that, realizing all that is upside down thinking. That's trauma thinking. And so we all know people who are in our lives right now that God has got his finger on through your life that you're able to say, I'm going to be that catalyst. I'm going to be that person that's going to introduce somebody to an environment that's the right kind of together. An environment that teaches us how to trust, how to become those people who can live uh, a, a, an adventurous life, but a life that is trusting of people that are around us how to become people who are willing to say, God, you know what? As I partner with you, I know nothing is impossible to me. There's no reason why the dream that God has for you, it would be cruel of him to give you a dream and not give you the power to, to embrace it. So put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know you're calling me to learn how to trust others. Because as I learn to trust, I learn how to be trustable. As I grow in my trust for others and ultimately for you, I know my destiny is closer than it appears. 
Heavenly Father, I desire to celebrate and mourn. I desire to let go quickly of the things I lose. And I desire to share that and receive the support of others as I release those things that are no longer necessary on my journey. Father, allow me to celebrate my victories publicly and receive the joy of others as they see the power of God causing victories to come. Empower me to celebrate the victories I see in other people, to give them even a higher boost to their victories. And Heavenly Father, propel me towards my impossible. I know that nothing is impossible when I am with you. All I need to do is learn to believe. Learn how to change my perspective about my life ahead and see it as an inevitable destiny. Empowered by God, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him, but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day. And help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.